It's finally here. NBA trade deadline day. Now the question is, will the Charlotte Hornets do anything? We'll talk about all of it today on the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're Locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. Remember, we're free and available anywhere you get your pods, and that includes YouTube. Also, a big shout to FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. That is FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Visit FanDuel.com, and you can even visit them on their app. All right, Doug, it is deadline day, baby. I mean, we went through. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we went through this week. We've been anticipating this day for quite some time, to be honest with you. I remember first bringing it up, I mean, really at the turn of the new year. When, when 2023 hit, I was like, all right, when is deadline day? All right, still have a little bit of time. We'll see when the Hornets get involved. And it's often the week of the trade deadline. It's often a couple of days before the deadline. And then here we are with just a few more hours to go. And the Hornets haven't done anything. That's not to say that the NBA has been quiet this year. There have been a couple of star trades so far. And we haven't seen the Hornets get involved. Where are you at right now, Doug, on the level of uh, Charlotte's interest to, to maybe acquire somebody new and get involved in this trade market? Well, I predicted that this thing was going to come down to the wire. I didn't feel like with with Mitch's history at the trade deadline that we would see something major happen the day before the deadline. I felt like if we're going to see something happen, it's going to be on deadline day. That came true, but it was disheartening you know, to see these deals happen, to see Cam Reddish get traded, to see Russell Westbrook get traded in a, in a three-team deal that when you look at it and you look at what Utah gave up and got in return, you go, ah, it kind of could have been Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte could have offered the level of player that went out in, in terms of Vanderbilt and Beasley. Like, it fe- that felt like a deal the Hornets could have gotten involved in. And so you see all of these things happen and you go, Man, are they are they running out of options? And then I but then I start looking at the teams and and Walker, I remember what you and I have been talking about, which is that there are a lot of teams that are going to suddenly find themselves saying, "Hey, we could get into contention here," especially with Brooklyn blowing things up. That's the big variable that I don't know that we totally saw coming. And with Brooklyn blowing it up, there are still teams, especially in the Eastern Conference like Atlanta and maybe some of these teams that are hovering around the play in like Indiana or the team that the Hornets played last night in Washington that all of a sudden wake up today and go, wait a minute, no KD or Kyrie to deal with. Hey, we could get into the play in and actually maybe get into the first round at this point. Um, if Brooklyn's not going to be there to, to break our hearts. So, Hey, you know, I, I think there's still hope uh, in, in Charlotte for a deal. Yeah. And it's interesting because you, you mentioned some of those teams and those players that we talked about yesterday and a couple of days ago, the Lakers do seem pretty done, right? Because, they, and I think they did a good job of trying to bolster their roster as much as possible, given the confines of what they were working with. But mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to go after Terry Rozier anymore. And now here you are with Cam Reddish gone, as you mentioned him. Minnesota was a team that Jake Fisher had talked about maybe being interested in Terry too. And so, 
you know, maybe you could look to replace a D'Angelo Russell. But right now, I mean, what you're talking about with Minnesota and what they got in return, trying to look it up just real quickly. To, oh, they got Mike Conley and so and, and Nikhil Alexander Walker, who I like. But but maybe Mike Conley, that's that's the guy that you probably limit Terry Rozier going over there. At the same time, I agree it, with this being so much of a a seller's market because a lot of people are looking to buy. It's it's not like Charlotte's out of this. So I don't. I, I do think that maybe the big trades are kind of done here, Doug. I think it does probably limit where Terry Rozier is going to go. I, if you had hope for Gordon Hayward, I think it probably limits where Gordon, you know, chances of him being traded. I don't think it limits a Mason Plumley, a Kelly Oubre, Jalen McDaniels, even PJ Washington, if you're not looking to sign him and keep him long term. I think those are the guys that still have a pretty high, not probability, but possibility of being traded. What do you think about Terry's chances, though, being diminished? Do you think those are the same as they were yesterday? I think, yeah, it's totally diminished. I don't think it's an impossibility that they could look to get a deal done. But as you said, some of those players that were sitting out there with the big money and the the contracts that would be expiring are suddenly not with those teams anymore. But those, I mean, those players could still get traded. I mean, they can still get flipped. So it's it's not out of the realm of possibility either. You know, I think you're right. The smaller deals are still alive. Like Sacramento hasn't done a deal yet. I think they will definitely look to add something. They want to compete this year. They want to dice it up in the Western Conference. So, uh, you know, a Mason Plumley to Sacramento deal is not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, I think we all side... Uh, 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 or breathed a sigh of relief, I should say, last night when he got slapped on the hand and had to go back to the locker room. Mason Plumley, and he got a black eye, uh, a shiner in practice. Like, can we just, can we put this guy oh in like a glass case? Like, what are we doing? I just, what? <laughs> what is happening right now? We need to trade this guy. You're so right. I mean, Mason Plumley has become the guy or the item on eBay where you swear it's good and you have a picture of it from earlier this year and then you open up the box and then you see it's completely messed up. Oh, no, yeah, you just you slash the makeup on it. It's fine. It, it, there's no black eye there. Oh, no, his wrist, it's fine. He played. See, we put it back in the game. He's, he's fine. What's interesting about the Brooklyn, you're totally right. That's a great analogy. I love that analogy. I'm just so like geeked up about trade deadline stuff now. Yeah. I've been looking at the trade machine all morning, just trying to cook up something. Get just I'm just I'm I'm taking my hope all the way to the top. I, I know I'm gonna get I know I'm gonna get those hopes dashed. I know it's all going to come crumbling down, but it doesn't stop me from from believing that something's going to get done. And I look at Brooklyn as a very interesting piece of this because they've they've obviously blown it up. Kyrie's gone. Katie's gone. They did bring back some assets, including Mikael Bridges, who's on a four-year, four years left on his deal, twenty-ish million dollars for the next four years. You know, would Brooklyn be willing to move that contract and get even worse? Because they did bring back some talent. Cam Johnson came in that deal as well, so they did bring back some talent. They've got a glut of small forwards. So if you look at a guy like Gordon Hayward. I mean, they could, uh, you know, cut their expenses over the next four years with that if they're looking at a longer-term rebuild. Uh, and fr from the Hornets' perspective, you know, say you throw Jay Crowder in that deal. So it's it's Crowder and it's Mikael Bridges, who would be, by the way, Mikael Bridges, perfect fit in Charlotte, exactly what they need. That contract's going to look great in a couple of years. It looks great now, but it's going to look even better yeah. as he develops. But yeah. you throw Crowder in there, and, and all of a sudden, the Hornets have saved money. Brooklyn saved some money in the uh, in the longer term. 
you know, that, that deal's not out of the realm of possibility either. Anything's possible. How, how many picks are you attaching to Gordon Hayward? Because Brooklyn would be getting picks back. For oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you would have to sacrifice something. And we have gotten reports that Charlotte is not interested in taking back long-term money. So, but I'm just, I'm looking at the outer fringes and saying, you know, if you wanted to get a deal done, if you wanted to find, you know, some space, Brooklyn, I think has room to get worse. Uh, and, and I think would be willing to continue to deal to do that. Yeah. I mean, it. look, I, I love Mikhail Bridges. It's hard not to love him. Right. I mean, guy is one of the better defenders in all of basketball. He can do more stuff than just the 3D label that is attached to him. And it's a good contract. I'll take Mikhail Bridges on that contract any day of the week. And how I generally operate is I'm not in the business of doing bad contracts, regardless of the context, for the most part, you know, unless you're just completely blowing it up. And I'm in the business of going with good contracts. I think Miguel Mikhail is that Lonzo ball comes to mind except with the injury. But if Lonzo was healthy, right. I mean, that would be fantastic. So I know we talked about those moves the last couple of days. Uh, yeah. I just, with, with the Hornets, you would have to uh, attach picks as we talked about, would you just go all in on this draft say, no, nah, you're not getting this year's draft pick. It's too valuable. No way. And then you just go, you know, a couple of, a couple of years later. I don't know, but you're right. Brooklyn, maybe they're not done with a couple of other talented players they have. Yeah, and that's the problem with the Bridges trade too, is that it makes you better. <laughs> and the Hornets right now sitting with the fourth worst record. You know, Bridges, Bridges is like would be like a perfect player under Clifford's system and improve them defensively. So even though you oh, lose be the Gordon. best player 100% immediately. And if you wanted to say, he'd be yeah. the best all-around player, but he'd be the second best player with all for all intents and purposes on this team with LaMelo being one. And it wouldn't So that's what close. I'm saying. Like, it feels like a Hornets move, like a Hornets Pacers-y <laughs> move to like, you know, when everyone expects you to be sellers and to get worse, you all of a sudden, you know, jerk the wheel. It's that meme where the car veers off on the off ramp and it's like nope suddenly get better uh you know (laughs) right when you need to get worse yeah 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 yeah. like that Um, feels like what it is but you know brooklyn's interesting i think the other thing that we really haven't talked a lot about in these trade deadline discussions is this hidden mystery variable of miles bridges we don't know what the Mm -hmm. hornets plan to do uh with miles bridges and and his still restricted free agency Uh, And, you know, it's hard to make predictions about exactly where they want to go with this trade deadline when you don't know if if Miles factors into their future plans or not. So that complicates all of this, too. Yeah, the NBA investigation has been very quiet. It's there's so many other storylines to pay attention to the trade deadline, LeBron James breaking the all time scoring record. And plus, it's not pleasant to talk about for these shows that are covering the NBA. And so it's going to get tossed to the wayside at the same time. All all things we've heard about the progress on Miles Bridges, they're, they're waiting for the investigation from the NBA to be done. And then teams will figure out what they want to do with Miles, including the Charlotte Hornets. And we just don't have that right now. So, all right, let's talk a little bit more about these trades coming in, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. All right, we'll talk a little more in depth on how the trades yesterday affect 
how the Charlotte Hornets will operate today. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I do want to tell you about FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And this year, it's the only app you need at your Super Bowl party. America's number one sports book. We're really excited about FanDuel for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, again, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. More to come on Locked On Hornets. Is Locked On Hornets. Well, I'll tell you one All thing. Right. Hornet, bees, I don't care. You're getting the can. Get away from me, buddy. Not bees, though. Save the bees, Doug. For the Hornets, like, actually, I, I don't want a live Hornet in my house. Honey bees? For a bee, I'll cut through. Because, I, look, I won't do you. If you're a carpenter bee, if you're not, if you have no, if you're not a threat. Talk about, here we go. Here we go. Go oh, back to our conversation in a second The segment. carpenters. The, the carpenter, carpenter bee has become such a low threat that I don't care about it anymore. When I'm walking by, uh, you know, a bumblebee, I'm not worried about a bumblebee. So I'm just going to ignore it. But you're talking a honeybee, small, will sting you, will die to sting. They'll yes, die. They and will so, literally kill themselves come in order on. to sting you. That's how There's passionate they are. So they're getting the camp. There's something here. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Guys, today is the day. The NBA trade deadline, it's here. And Locked On has you covered Thursday, February 9th. That's today. Tune in to Locked On NBA on YouTube at 2 p.m. Eastern to hear reaction from the trades that will change the rest of the NBA season. Who becomes contenders? Who's tanking for a better future? Subscribe to Locked On NBA and YouTube and do not miss a deal. Also, make sure you check us out today. You can hit that little bell and make sure that you are ready when we drop a video. Smash that like button. Do all of the YouTube cliche things because most likely it's going to be Doug. But if the Hornets actually make a trade, then Doug is going to hop here. And I'm I'm speaking for you. I hope that's okay. Does it seem a little too much like I'm controlling you here? Or No, it's fine. I mean, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll hop on. It's good. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, if they do something, I'm, I'm not going to like, you know, really clear my schedule or anything because I don't know if they're going to do anything or not. I, you know, I, I have hope from the perspective of a fan of this team, but from somebody that knows what the deal is, you know, I don't mm-hmm. have a ton of hope because look, you know, Mitch Kupchak, I don't think reads anything, you know, Rod Boone had a piece in imploring the Hornets to do something. We've been talking about it for a long time. I don't think Mitch listens to this podcast. I don't think Mitch reads that. I don't think Mitch reads the paper and really like says, Oh, look, you know, the fans are, are in an uproar. I mean, it's there's the consensus among the fan base is pretty simple. And, and I think this goes for season ticket holders who actually use the tickets is do something like, you know, get this team into a position either to compete, which you can't do. So get this team into a position to, to get a high draft pick. But I don't think they're paying attention. Clifford, certainly not. He's the, he's the coach. He's focused on, on things game to game. They're not paying attention to this. So I don't have hope from that perspective. 
Okay, so we went from the highest amount of hope in the first segment where you were all in, and now we are. <laughs> we are completely Things are changing by the minute, Walker, you know? coaster of emotions for Doug Branson. And you can see it on YouTube. If the Hornets make a trade, you can see that roller coaster go up, or it could then go I'll be down, like, yeah, you know what the trade is. Yeah. All right, there he is. Um, oh, last thing about just trades that came in yesterday that might affect the Hornets. Doug, we kind of ended a saga as far as Russell Westbrook goes. We are talking about an NBA superstar that has been linked to the Charlotte Hornets quite a few times over the last, what, four, three years? It's been a long time. It was with his Houston days, and then he got shipped out, and then it was when he was with Washington. Then he got traded to the Lakers. Then there was the whole Terry Russell stuff. So now it looks like Russell Westbrook could be bought out. There was a report about Chicago possibly being interested in Russell Westbrook on the buyout market if that happens. And so that would be interesting. But Charlotte is not going to be interested in Russell in the buyout market. The only reason you would have traded for Russell is to get one of those first round picks, maybe both from the Lakers and continue to be bad. But does this effectively end all of the future Russell Westbrook rumors and, and the ones that we've heard in the past? I guess. I mean, it wouldn't like make it. any it wouldn't make any sense for Utah to deal any of the picks that they have. They have a thousand of them, but still like what for what? Unless Utah really Not believes yeah. that they've got a shot at this whole Western Conference thing. I don't think they do. That's why they've been acquiring all these assets. And you don't acquire all of those assets to then turn around and get like Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward, right? I mean, you're you're acquiring those assets to someday go after a KD, you know, or, or whatever that means in a few years from now. So that seems to be like Utah's play. Like they're going to probably be like a play-in team or whatever this year, get worse next season, and then, you know, make a play at this thing two or three years from now. So, yeah, it makes no sense. I, I think it's effectively over. I think we can declare it dead. Okay. I mean, Mount Rushmore of all rumor team for the Charlotte Hornets. Like, there's just no doubt about it. That's how it is. And so maybe that has come to an end. Let's go to the game last night, Doug. As much as we don't really want to talk about it. I mean, it was, look, man. I, I want to talk about it. I, I well, Look, I watched the game. So, you know, well, <laughs> my, no, my no, time must say. not be in vain. <laughs> let's let's not it yeah let's let's just end the podcast no the reason i say that is because you look at the first half it was it looked like a team that had rest and cared to be quite honest i mean they were out there it, it looked mm -hmm. like okay the team chose to react to all of the trade deadline rumors with anger that they were going to come out and show yeah we can win and maybe not anger but certainly a level of we can get this figured out if we have all of our guys back and then the second half happened and they have a 15-point third quarter. Their defense isn't good. You know, the Washington Wizards, they score, you know, what, close to 60 points in the second half, which is about on par, I guess. And they score 118 total in this game. And it just felt like a lack of effort out there, to be honest. You know, I tweeted this out. I know Nada tweeted out like it, it felt like there was some quit in this team, which it's not like something I've seen consistently. But then you see Bradley Beal shooting, you know, one-footed three-pointers, you know, coming off of the elbow and... Yeah, it just felt weird for me. It doesn't seem like you got that vibe. Well, I don't I wouldn't say that this team looked angry in the first half. I don't know that this team is capable of looking angry. And I think that's part of the disconnect that's happening between the team and, and Steve Clifford overall, is that there's a lack of I think there's a lack of toughness. I think there's a lack of physicality that shows itself on the boards night in and night out. This team doesn't 
like to get very physical with other teams. They don't. I, I don't. I don't see a ton of anger. I see a lot of frustration. But to, to me, that's different than than anger. Now they looked prepared, and that's I think you know that's what Clifford has been able to do a good job of generally this season. Is you get a day off. They can install some stuff. They can really get a deeper look at the team that they're going to match up with. And they've been able to effectively, you know, game plan against certain teams. And they've gotten some good wins against good teams because of that this season. The problem is, at this point, I think the team has lost faith in the overall goals of the season for obvious reasons. They have now 41 losses. And so they can't play 48 full minutes. And when they get punched, they're having a harder and harder time of getting back up. Clifford said before the game, hey, we want to focus on sustained play. We don't want to have those kind of three, two, three-minute periods where we're giving up 10-0 runs. You know, we want to really try to maintain. And they did that through the first half. And a lot of that was LaMelo and Terry together playing well in the first half, shooting well in the first half, something we haven't seen from LaMelo Ball in particular uh, for since he's since his last return. He, he's been more of a second-half player, uh, hasn't been shooting well in the first half. So he gets off to a good start. But then that third quarter, about 654 uh, in the third quarter, 7-0 run by Washington over a minute and 15. Like Washington was able just to knock down a couple threes. You look at the end of that first half too, Walker, they gave up two threes on defensive mistakes that allowed Washington to tie the game at 61. And I thought then like, uh-oh, that seems like trouble. You, you lose all that momentum going into the second half and then they came out of the third quarter just absolutely flat. And Washington, a team that does have goals – uh, and are executing on those, they 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 uh, took advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the goals, so Washington, um, looking at their play-in standings now, they're right outside. I mean, they're, they're 13 and a half games back. Toronto, they're 13 and a half games back. So they're basically just, uh, they're right there even with Toronto, except Toronto is currently that 10 seed. So they're possibly going to be alternating here. And Washington has won seven of their uh, last 10 games. So, you know, the Wizards, they are playing better, and they showed that in this one. The Hornets did not. And so when you look at just the rest of the way, yeah, I mean, (laughs) does this say anything about the Hornets if they keep the roster together? We've already had this conversation, but was last night some kind of divide for you as as – I don't look, I, I hate calling teams, you know, out for giving up, right? That's my hesitance here. You know, I, I because I don't know what's going on. I, I never want to say, okay, yeah, this guy didn't bring it. They're they're giving up. They don't give a bleep, like whatever. But at the same time, in the second half, I, I got a lot of that feeling. And I, I know how hard it is when you have 41 losses and you're absolutely not playing for a play in spot this year. You're not playing for a playoff spot. Is this just what we're going to be watching the rest of the way where you finally start to have some of these younger guys infiltrate with more Mark Williams, with, you know, more James Booknight, with more Bryce McGowan's who has been a part of this rotation. Are, are we going to see that regardless of what happens the rest of today's trade deadline? I think it would make the team worse if you started playing all of those young players, but it would make mm-hmm. the team more energetic. Like you would, yeah. there, there would be some, all of a sudden there would be some reason for moving forward through the rest of the season. I mean, I look at Mark Williams. Like, he deserves more time at this point. He looked great. Nine points, eight rebounds in 17 minutes, two block shots. He was a factor on the defensive end. Like, he needs more time. Uh, and, and it's a big reason why the Hornets need to aggressively look to move Mason Plumley. 
Um, and, and I think it would energize LaMelo Ball. Look, I mean, he was the player that really personified this game. 13 points in the first half, 5 of 9 shooting, 3 of 5 from 3, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, didn't attempt a free throw, only had one personal foul. You go to the second half, 3 points, 1 of 7 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 1 rebound, 2 assists, 0 free throws attempted, did not attempt a single free throw in this game, four personal fouls, and in the fourth quarter, when they had an opportunity to make a run, like this game was not over at the end of the third quarter, as bad as they played, um, it was still 88-76. to 76. I mean, a 12-point lead is nothing in, in the NBA with a quarter to go. Uh, you, you look at the middle of that fourth quarter, okay? Um, it, it, at the 940 mark, he misses a, a layup in the, in the second, another layup in the second half. Yeah. The Hornets were like waiting on him to turn to turn it on, and he was missing layup after layup. He gets a great no look pass uh, into PJ in the corner. That was a good play. Eight forty four, Lamelo step back three, way off, and then he quickly fouls in frustration. Then twenty seconds later, he gets a steal in transition, throws it away. He grabs his head in frustration. He's so frustrated with himself for throwing it away. Threw, threw it right to the Washington defender. And then and then makes a frustration take foul. His fifth. And then he had to sit for a little bit. It's like, what is going on? When, when will LaMelo work that out of his game? And when do we stop saying, well, he's, he's young. You know, he's, go, he's going immature. Like, he's been an all-star already. It's it's his third seat. Like when do we say that? His sixth season? His seventh? His third contract? Like at some point he's got to work that out of his game. And what's really frustrating is in that first half, I I noted in my every Hornets box score notes, he looked like he had shaken off all that frustration that we saw with the ejection and fouling out. It looked like in the first half he was going to the rim. He wasn't getting the calls. And he was getting contact. Beal hit him on a transition bucket in the first half, but he didn't argue with the ref. He got right back on defense. I'm like, great, locked in. And then the fourth quarter, you get just a little bit of adversity and everything fell apart for the team and for LaMelo Ball. Yeah, and and I mean, you're talking about LaMelo now at the end of, close to the end of his third season. And so it's valid right now. I mean, I know he hadn't played as many games and I know he didn't play as many games as rookie season, but at the same time, you would hope to see just improvement there. And he had five fouls. You're talking about a lot there in the second half as well. All right, one more segment to go. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Let's give some final predictions as to what the Charlotte Hornets will do at the end of the trade deadline today. That's coming up next on the Locked On Hornets pod. All right, Doug, final predictions we have for today. Just (laughs) what what do we think happens with the Hornets? What do you think Mitch Kupchak ends up doing if you were to just give one sweeping statement as to what we're going to see come three o'clock? Okay, let me get my Nostradamus on and really kind of project into the future here. I'm seeing Mitch Kupchak dealing for PJ Dozier, and then and then I see you and I getting on Twitter and going, this is weird, this can't be the whole deal. They're not done yet, folks. And then it totally is the whole deal, and that's they the are done, folks. <laughs> that, that's the move. That's my favorite thing about the trade market. It has been my entire time covering the NBA or the Charlotte Hornets. They're not done. We ask that question every time somebody makes a trade because it sounds like you're on the trail. It sounds like right. you're Sherlock Holmes, and you know there's something even crazier to come about. And then so that's the quote tweet that gets a lot of likes. It gets a lot of positive responses. Oh, they're not done. I don't think this team is done quite yet. It it happens every trade. 
it happens totally with are. every account that covers the team or whatever. And I love every second of it. Well, that's what happened with the Shelvin Mack deal. You remember that? That's when yes, we all when, I, when they traded for Mack, yeah. and it was like, no, this can't. Uh-uh, no, they've got to they've got to have more up their sleeve. This is part of a they're going to flip this in a three-team <laughs> deal, four-team, five-team deal. No, no mm-hmm. none of that. They they were just trading for Shelvin Mack. Yeah, well, and and all those Trader Cho deals. I mean, Miles Plumley. When you know, we're like, oh yeah, they're they're not done. It was like, wait, who else is taking Miles Plumley? Like they're done, man. That was the move. I I couldn't explain it then, but that's the yeah, move. No, yeah, no, you're right. But- I mean, a lot of this goes. It's not just about Mitch. Mitch is the latest in a line of uh, front offices that have really disregarded the trade deadline as an opportunity to significantly move the franchise in a particular direction, whether that be into contention or whether that be uh, into the basement of the NBA standings. But the Hornets are like on the fence right now. And this is a dangerous time because, yeah, you look at that game against Washington and you're, you're seeing a team that's tired. You're seeing a team that's frustrated. You're seeing a team that's losing belief. You're seeing a team that has probably... You know, a lot of these guys have been playing out of their role because of different injuries. But you have to think about this too, Walker. Right now, they're not, they don't have the best odds of getting Wimben Yama. And you do have Kelly Oubre's return looming. Cody Martin might hit the floor at some point. And you got, look, you got the All Star break coming up. That's going to be an opportunity. If you keep this team together, that's going to be an opportunity for all the guys to get a ton of rest, to come back re energized. And they're going to want to win. They don't care about Wibanyama. They don't care about the draft. They're winners. They're com- they're competitors. Clifford certainly doesn't give a damn about it. And so, that's to me, that's the danger. Is really after the trade deadline, as bad as they look right now, or after the uh, All Star break, because as bad as they yeah. look right now, that's not an indicator of how they're going to look after that break. Yeah, my, my prediction is that they're going to trade uh, for cash considerations. You know, like if they finally sell, they get worse, and you're like, all right, what's coming back? Oh, it's just cash. They're just getting just some a cash. Big back. old That's- bag of cash. And we'll see uh, how they can perform in the second half of this season. Yeah, you mentioned the standings. Maybe we can end on that just real quickly. I I was looking at Brooklyn. They're the fifth spot. They have 32 wins at this moment. Brooklyn is not bad enough to come all the way down and compete with the Charlotte Hornets for the worst record in the league or one of the worst three or four. So Brooklyn is still going to be up there. Even if if they're not done, Brooklyn is still going to be towards the play-in and a playoff spot. Um and I don't know if there's, you know, if, if you look at the Lakers, you know, they're going for it, right? It's really Houston and the Spurs in the Western Conference, and then it's the Pistons and the Hornets. And those are going to be the bottom four teams in the NBA. There's not really any doubt about it. Yeah, and the Spurs got worse. They traded Pirtle uh, back to Toronto. And that's that's right. another name that's been floating around our, yeah. you know, Hornets sphere. I don't know if there were, like, direct rumors, but it made a lot of sense because it would have filled – and not not oh. in this but not in this particular trade deadline because again that would be similar to the Mikhail Bridges deal is if you went and got Pirtle, that's going to make you better. That's not exactly well. What last I think. year he was. I mean Jake Fisher, Jake Fisher, our guy. Oh, he was we're the going guy. vision. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, do the bit if we're going to do the bit. Do the bit. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, we got a big one. <laughs> Remember last year we had all sorts of conversations about PJ Washington. Going and a first round pick going to San Antonio for Jakob Pertle. And I forget what the protection or lack thereof was on that first round pick, but it seemed like too much then and eventually didn't happen. But you're right. Yeah, there are a lot of names out there. 
um, that actually ended up being traded this go around for the deadlines over and it didn't involve the Charlotte Hornets. So we'll see. We'll have you covered. Locked on. We'll have you covered with Locked on NBA, their trade special. You can find it anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube. And also you can find us. Doug is going to hop on and give you an update if the Charlotte Hornets do pull off a trade. Thanks for making us your first listen. Now make sure you check out uh, game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll finish out the week tomorrow. Do something.